Welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast, brought to you by Specrite. Specrite wants you to envision a world without waste. Join the movement at specrite.com backslash PKG. Hey, that's right. It's another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I'm your host with the Holy Ghost, the Packaging Pastor, Adam Peak. You can find me on TikTok at Packaging Pastor or on LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Adam Peak. Wanted to talk real quickly about a new sponsor for our podcast, Spark Packaging. Are you sick and tired of the same positions at your plant constantly being open or just not being filled? Maybe your facility just isn't retaining talent due to not having dedicated recruitment support. If you need contract to hire support, or you are looking to hire directly for industry professionals, Spark Packaging can help. Spark Packaging is the industry partner who provides all your recruitment and staffing needs. And and basically, listen, we all know we need a lot of that right now. If you're one of those people hearing this and thinking, hey, wait a second, that's me then you can go to sparkpackaginginc.com backslash hiring. Once again, that's sparkpackaginginc.com backslash hiring and answer some of their questions. Once received, a Spark team member will reach out ASAP. And hey, if you get there, just tell them that I sent you. That would be awesome. Thanks so much. And let's get to this next episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to a, another an international, it's an international episode today. I, I've been able to do this podcast with, with people from almost every continent. So except for Antarctica, someone from Antarctica has got to care about packaging and I'll, I'll knock it out. I'm, it's, been, it's been just such a blessing to be, gosh, coming up on almost 200 of these episodes I've done. Uh, so I am super, super blessed to be joined by... The, the green queen, Sunnily Figueres, uh, all the way from one of my favorite cities that I've ever visited, Hong Kong. Uh, so welcome, Sunnily, to the People of Packaging podcast. Hi, Adam. It's so great to be here. Yeah, Hong Kong is such a great city. I'm so glad you love it, too. We've, we've had a bit of a rough uh, media time in the last three years being closed for COVID. And I think people have given Hong Kong a bit of a of a, of a tough time, but it's such a wonderful place to live. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I went there, I think it was twice I've been there going over to look at packaging, uh, in, uh, in the Shenzhen Dongguan area with, with some customers. And I was just like, this is like, the, like a cooler version of New York city was kind of how I felt. Like I just, the, I loved the the culture and the vibe that was there. It was I had a great time. Um, so Wonderful. yeah, so uh, why don't you you do so much? And if if people are not connected with you on uh, on LinkedIn, I just uh, there'll be a link in the show notes here. I want to make sure that everyone can because you you put out some great content. You've done a ton, and I just I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you're doing, uh, maybe a little bit about your story. So how did you, you know, where did you grow up? How did you get so passionate about the, the things around just climate issues that, you know, how'd you get so passionate about those and how'd you end up in Hong Kong? 
Absolutely. So actually, I was born in Hong Kong I, to a French father and an Indian mother who met in Japan, as you do. Um, so yeah, multi-generations of us kind of being all over the place, being what you could call third culture people. Um, I went to a French school and then for high school, I went. At, we actually moved to Singapore. So I went to an American high school. That's why it sounds like I'm from California, according to most people. Um, I then went to university in the U.S. Um, in Pen- in Pennsylvania, Philly, uh, which is also one of my favorite cities, and also underrated in my view. Um, and then I moved to London for work, <clears throat> and then finally, 15 years ago, I moved back to Hong Kong. And I absolutely did not grow up um, an environmentalist. I, I actually grew up, if you look at the ESG as an acronym, I was actually more on the S, the social side of things. So I, when I was 16, I started a human rights journal at my school. I thought I was going to be a social worker. I spent a year between high school and college in Chile, Brazil, and India. And I worked in... Um, uh, underprivileged communities as a teacher and as a, just as a social worker. Um, so that was really where my heart was helping people. I was a big human rights kind of uh, advocate. Um, I came to the world of the environment because of my own personal health. <clears throat> so I struggled with um, quite a few health conditions that I still have because they're chronic and they're non-curable. Um, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I have endometriosis. Um, I have insulin resistance. Um, and all of these were sort of misdiagnosed or not diagnosed in my early 20s for a long time. So I was just dealing with a lot of symptoms, none of which was sort of life or death which is another reason I think it was quite ignored, but I went to see doctors in different countries and nobody was able to help me and nobody was really kind of finding a theme. And, you know, medicine is still today way too siloed. So there wasn't this kind of multi expert diagnosis uh, approach that you, you get at places like the Mayo clinic. So it wasn't, I wasn't figuring out what was wrong with me. And Around this time, Google came along, which became, you know, my best friend. I'm a very curious person that loves to do my own research. I'm very much an auto dictat. And so I was now able to have this tool at my fingertips to do research. And I started doing my own research around how I was feeling and looking at uh, medical studies and looking at what was available. And at that point, I, I knew a little bit. I knew that my... Um, thyroid antibodies were extremely high. So I knew that Hashimoto's was likely, I knew that my insulin was high, which didn't track with anything else because I don't have high blood sugar. So all these things kind of added up and I ended up down a rabbit hole of research thanks to Google. And I became fascinated with the topic of how food and changing your diet could actually relieve symptoms. Mm. And I couldn't understand why no one had said this to me, not my parents, nobody during my education, none of the doctors. And so it, it really started from there. And then the more I looked at how food could really, you know, be, be healing, I look, I was obviously then looking at how food was grown. And it's really when I started doing research on how food was grown, that the environmental um, part came into focus for me. And I started understanding, oh, okay. So the way we grow our food is, is, is problematic. Um, we have waste, we have toxins, we have pollution, we have issues with our water. Um, 
we have industrial farming, which seems like it's not particularly healthy for us. Um, and then eventually I learned more about how it wasn't healthy for the planet. And, and so that's really where my eco awakening started. And I, uh, decided that I was going to completely change my life. Um, and actually that's when I first decided to get rid of plastic. So I originally decided not to have plastic in my life much more from a toxin point of view than from an environmental point of view. Okay. Um, because, uh, plastics are full of, uh, hormone disruptive substances and toxins that are really not great for people like me that have hormonal disorders. Um, and very likely my exposure to plastic has something to do with how many disorders I have. Um, you know, um, so I changed my life, um, started to get super, super passionate about researching food and the environment. And then the environment opened me up to everything around climate and emissions and, and waste. And that's how it all started. And that wow. was in 2007. And, um, and so I decided to start Green Queen as a blog with no plan at all to turn it into a business. I didn't even put my name on it. And the name Green Queen kind of came to me, I swear, in a dream, and I thought it was fun. Um, and then immediately, Green Queen just struck a nerve. And we, we had readers from the get-go. I didn't even have a Facebook page, which seems crazy at the time. Um, I'm not a natural social media user because I'm much more of a behind-the-scenes researcher person. But I started getting asked to, to speak. Um, and very early on, and the more I spoke, the more I got asked to speak more and I started getting media attention and I started getting, and it became very clear that I was one of the only people around that could speak to a lot of these topics. Yeah. And so the, yeah. And so it just, it snowballed from there. And then today Green Queen is, you know, one of the, it's Asia's leading sustainability media. We're one of the major sources for information globally in food tech and all protein, um, we were really a trend signals platform. We, we, we cover the future um, when it basically the idea is to, you know, inform, inspire and empower our readers with solutions to fight climate change with a huge focus on food because food is such a big part of our emissions budget. Yeah. But we also go into zero waste, fashion, energy and all kinds of other things. And packaging, I'm sure, as well, right? I mean, it's... of course, we started covering packaging years ago, um, yeah. and we we were one of the first to use the term zero waste in Asia. Period. And when the zero waste movement really took off in 2018, we just it, it was so. It's always so interesting to me as someone who really enjoys data to look at how data follows the trends in terms of who's reading what on the website. So this is where if you are someone that only looks at the data then you wouldn't have done content the way we did because you would have thought, well, there's no audience for this content. But because I use data as a, as a, as a gauge, but I use my ability to look at, look forward and see the trends as an addition, we started covering things years before others. So then when the audience catches up, we're an authority because we've already been telling the story and informing our readers on this. So, but it's been fascinating to see the differences. So 2018 was really the year of zero waste. It's the year that, you know, there were bulk food stores everywhere and there were TED talks about, you know, going zero waste and, and, and this concept and it, it really hit the mainstream. And then I would say 2019 is really when the concept of plant-based really took off. And you can see that in the data. 
um, plant-based in terms of, you know, plant-based meat and plant-based eating. Um, and now you really see in the last, I would say 12 months, the shift towards climate solutions mm-hmm. where before climate was like the, the boring older brother um, topic, you know, and that's, what's so interesting is, is to look at the data and see what people are interested in when and what has really ignited people. But as an editor, my job is also not to lose sight of what's important and to sometimes, you know, give people what they're not asking for. Which is why you can't just follow the data. What's the, there was a quote, I want to say it was from, someone's going to correct me on this. I want to say it was from um, uh, the, golly, why am I forgetting his name? The guy that started Ford Motor Company who said, if I gave the people what they wanted, I would have made a faster horse. You know, like- Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Henry Ford, it was like, people were clamoring for like better horses and I made a car. And it was like, nobody knew that that's what they wanted, but he was out there- in 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 front of the in front of where 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 people were going like he was creating that trend so that's a hundred percent adam a hundred percent and that should be your job as an editor of a media if you are really good you are one keeping tabs on integrity and factual reporting that's that's key and let me tell you how difficult it is to do that in a region where we don't have very strong truth in advertising laws And to be honest, sustainability today is just rife with greenwashing. So really keeping tabs on that, that's one of my jobs. But my other main job is to look into the future and say, what are the solutions that people need to start learning about now for the problems that we're going to need to tackle in five to 10 years? And some of these solutions are not scaled yet and they're not ready yet. But, but hey, you know, they can give us hope and show the magic of human ingenuity. So yeah. I completely agree with you. And another famous entrepreneur in the U.S. who said the same similar thing to what Henry Ford said is our friend Steve Jobs. People didn't know that they wanted a smartphone. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and that certainly has changed. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a revolution globally, right? It's it's pretty crazy. So I, I let's let's hang out here for a second because that was it was it's just tremendous the the work that you're doing and. And even to have gotten that perspective as you were walking through your, your the the history right of like you know where you grew up and the 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 beauty of being able to experience something from like Philly to London to Hong Kong and you know I think I heard India in there as well like there was there there's so many different cultures and to be able to bring all of that in I'm sure has shaped a lot of of who you are. But, um, when, when we were talking kind of before the call, I want, I want to hang out on this point of like the future. I was going to go into your, to your history a little bit more, but like you, you really triggered something. I'm, I'm excited about this. So, uh, I saw on your, on your LinkedIn profile, I, I apologize. I did not watch them, but I'm going to watch your TEDx talks. Where did you give your TEDx talks? Um, one was at uh, Hong Kong University and one was at Lingnan University. So they were both universities in, that are in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's so I, I had uh, I did one here in Salt Lake City in 2020 um, around around packaging specifically. And it was it was a really trying and, and incredible time for me. I don't know. TEDx is obviously independently organized, so I'm not sure how they all are. But 
in that talk, I actually talk about some future things that were that are being worked on that that a lot of people when they heard the talk, um, my talk actually got flagged because I was wearing Nike shoes on the stage and they're like, you can't, we can't prove that you weren't paid by Nike. I'm like, Nike didn't pay for a TEDx talk with 2000 <laughs> views on YouTube. I'll tell you that much right now. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, but I got a lot of pushback because I talked about like, there was a, there's a lab in Salt Lake city and, and Steven Steele was on my podcast, a lab in Salt Lake city that was creating cellulose from carbon using like a polymicrobial bioreactor that was solar powered and they were like we can create cellulose from the air right and i was like oh my gosh that's crazy like you can you can leave trees planted and you can pull carbon out of the air and make paper he's like yeah i'm like we have to tell everyone about it right and um you know so i just i love thinking and dreaming and and helping build and i'm i'm so glad to meet like a kindred spirit in that i loved hearing you say that you, you're, you're not really afraid to a use data, b work with integrity, and c dream in the future and help kind of build up what's happening in the future. So that that made me super pumped. What what are maybe some things that you're that are currently on on the Green Queen blog that you're like I can't believe people aren't paying more attention to x y or z today that you're like, this is really serious. And we're writing about this now. Um, and people absolutely, really absolutely. Well, I, so two, two parts of the answer one, while there has been a huge focus in the, in the mainstream media now on things like plant-based meat, um, it has become a partisan issue and a distracting uh, conversation. And the bigger issue that I don't think people have digested, so to speak. And, and, and let me tell you, you can see this at COP27 happening right now in Egypt, where they're serving, you know, salmon and cream sauce and, and beef, is that our food system is over one third of our global greenhouse emissions budget globally. Mm -hmm. So we are, the idea that food needs to be decarbonized just doesn't seem to have gotten through at the government level, at the corporate level, other than in this kind of food tech bubble that I live a lot in, right? Which, which is, can be a, a bit of an echo chamber. We have no choice on food decarbonization. And I don't think that people realize that in 10 to 20 years, they're going to look in their pantry and they're not going to be able to find things like chocolate or coffee, um, you know, or bananas. Um, we are running out of, of arable land. Um, I live in Asia. 60% of the world's population lives here, and we've only got 20% of the world's agricultural land. And a lot of it is already toxic. So we have a major problem in terms of where are we going to grow our food? And meanwhile, we're having these ideological fights over this is woke and this isn't woke. It, it's distracting from the greater problem, which is that when you talk about climate and sustainability, everyone's talking about energy and transport and how many people are really talking about food and yeah. the decarbonization of food is the biggest thing to happen to us ever because food is really the only true uniter other than breathing. We all eat. Doesn't matter where we come from. 
we don't all take the same transport. We don't all kind of need cars, etc. We don't all use the same energy, but we need to eat. And our crops are endangered. And so some of the stuff that we're covering lately, things like beanless coffee and cell cultured cacao beans, where, you know, that is coming because, you know, we're addicted to chocolate as a global world. And the cacao crop plant is is under siege. Mm. You know, cacao farmers are just not able to reap the same yields because of the consequences of climate change. And so I just... I'm not sure that people appreciate just how much food needs to be decarbonized. So and, me, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Let me ask a question on that because, um, you know, it, it, it obviously it's a, this is a packaging podcast. And so I'm curious, not only from a decarbonizing of food production, which I think is probably where, where you are at, but is there also a preservation or like a longevity uh, you, you know, utilizing packaging, like how, how does, what role does packaging play in the decarbonizing of food? Cause I'm hundred percent with you in my TEDx talk. I talk about, you know, just even like food waste is like the third largest contributor at the time. It was like the third largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions behind the U S and China. Like that's just the food waste. We're not even talking about the, the food production in that. Right. So, um, so I'm curious, like, what, where do you see packaging playing a role in this in this giant problem that we have? So packaging is my second, you know, bugbear here, and that's why I have another company that I co-founded with my co-founder Luke, who's who's, who's absolutely brilliant, um, called Source Green, and yeah. that company is a plastic reduction software to help brands quit plastic. But at the heart of the mission is to elevate plastic waste to be a top concern. Because I just want to explain that we are currently on track to produce four times the amount of plastic packaging by 2050 that we have today. Secondly, I would like to say that, unfortunately, plastic recycling, it's not working. And and I, I don't want to argue about why or how or what, the, but we've given plastic recycling 50 years and we are still at rates in the U S 5% globally, depending on which numbers you look between two and 14%, something's not working. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing is most packaging is used for such a short amount of time. Right. And we're making it from what I'd like to describe as solid oil. So for me, what nobody is looking at is that plastic is oil. So, so we're happy to talk about, hey, we need to, you know, move to renewables and we need to stop extracting oil, but no one's talking about how plastic is oil. It's just in a solid form. And to be honest, for big oil, plastic is their, it's their fallback plan. It's their plan B, right? As we move to renewables, they're all gearing up for us to use more plastic. And somehow they've managed to hoodwink the world around the word plastic not being associated with oil. So it just, again, I think we're doing the math wrong. Just like we're not looking at food decarbonization as an important enough part of fighting climate change, right? We're not looking at plastic the right way. We are not accounting for 
all the many health issues of plastic. There's a new book out by Matt Simon, a Wired journalist, all about the basically how microplastics are poisoning us. Um, I've been tracking the research around plastic and health for about two and a half years. And the good news is the research is really, really uh, speeding up. So there's a lot more research now that we can look at. And we are working with our with our um, plastic, true cost plastic audit tool at Source Green to quantify that data. Because if I were to show a mom, your average mom, right? I'm a mom. If I were to show a fellow mom what plastic is doing to her family, I think she would quit plastic overnight. Mm. Well, I will. Uh, we have five kids. And oh, wow. My, yeah. I only have kids. one. That's amazing. Five, five, five kids, one wife. And I was, <laughs> I was talking with my wife about this, this idea because it's, it's so like, so we're going to do a, it, it's like a plastic free February, right? I was like, we, I love it. Yeah. Let's figure this out. And as we're going through our day, we're realizing just how easy it, it, it all is, right? Like it's, it's like, well, what are we going to do about milk? And what are we going to do about eggs and cheese? And you're just like, oh my gosh, like there's so much stuff, food specifically, right? That, that, it, that is, is in, and we live in, we live in, in uh, the suburbs of Salt Lake City. Like, I think there is one bulk grocery store that I really know of uh, in like downtown Salt Lake. And so it's like, gosh, how do you, how, as a consumer, it's just like, it, it is, we're going to get, we're going to go for it, right? We're going to document it and we're going to see all that we can do to create a change. But man, is it tough just even thinking about it. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that we're on the right path. Right? It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a data driven thing. It was more of an ideological driven thing of can, can we do this? Right. Could we make this happen? Um, so let's talk, let's, let's wrap this up here. We're, we're already at 25 minutes. Can you believe it? Uh, I had a feeling we'd be, we'd have, we'd have a great conversation. Um, so source green, uh, we talked about, uh, green queen and, and I hope the people, if you're, if, if you're listening to this, and you're not connected up with, with that blog and that, uh, that, I don't know what the word would be. The, the whole community, I guess would be a, a better word. Uh, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, but but source green. So you have a tool that is putting the the cost to like the actual cost of plastic, right? Um, is, right. So we, yeah. I'll I'll just I'll just quickly give you source green in a sec in a sentence. So Perfect. we've created our, our our MVP is the first true cost of plastic audit tool. So we show you the whole picture of what your plastic packaging costs the environment, your health. And, and just also business, because just looking at emissions for plastic is not enough. It's not a big enough part of the story. So how much microplastics does the pouch that you're using produce? You know, how much waste? How much incineration? What about air pollution? What about all the health effects? What about, where, how, what about when it ends up in waterways or soil? What's the cost to wildlife? So from the feedstock to the end of life, we're showing the true cost of plastic. So we help brands do audits on the true cost of plastic packaging in their supply chain. Then second part of the software is we help you create reduction roadmaps with targets and pledges for you to say, okay, I'm targeting to remove this percentage of packaging, plastic packaging from my supply chain. And then lastly, we help you source the plastic free alternatives. So it's a, it's a beginning to end tool 
we've embedded a beginning to end audit calculator that really helps you visualize, quantify, and improve your plastic footprint as a brand. Are you, you don't have to name names, but are, are you seeing more brands need this because they made, they made these big proclamations and now the data is coming out that's like, you're not going to come abs- anywhere close to hitting these big proclamations. And they're like, oh gosh, we thought this would have been a lot easier. Are you finding these brands are coming to you? Like, we really need some help. Like we, we need to ratchet this up. We, we've made commitments to not just their consumers, but to, to, to their, to the money people, right? Like they've said, like, we're going to, there, there's actual money behind this. So uh, are, are you seeing more and more of that come, come over to, uh, to you at Source Green? Yes, absolutely. We're working with MNCs and mid-sized brands and even startup brands. Um, I would say in the US and Europe, there's a much bigger push. I would say in Europe, the push is more on the MNC side. So big MNCs that have European headquarters, they actually are already in the practice of putting plastic waste on their corporate balance sheets. So our tool can be incredibly helpful. I would say in the US, it's much more linked to mid-sized brands that are targeting a conscious consumer. And for them, plastic just looks bad, right? I mean, at the end of the day, packaging is one, as you know, the first thing a consumer interacts with. So if you're saying you're a conscious brand and then you're packaged in plastic, that's a bit of a disconnect for the brand and for the consumer. Yeah, no doubt. And and we're seeing a big push for statewide legislation right now on EPR. And that's that's creating, you know, California. 100%. you know, like in the U.S., it's like if one state does it, especially state the size of California, and it's like, hey, if you're going to sell products into California, you got to hit these things. It, it becomes a de facto federal law because who's going to sell not California, right? It's a massive economy. A hundred percent. It's the, I mean, it's the fifth biggest economy in the world if it were a country. Absolutely. California leads the way, but you've also got Oregon and Maine that are pushing EPR laws. Really interesting uh, work that out of Thailand. Thailand is, is creating an EPR law. Vietnam just put in a single-use plastic ban. So we, we track regulation, of course, and obviously that's going to be a huge driver of our tool because then companies are going to need a tool to help them meet the regulation, right? Um, in the UK, you have the Green Claims Code that is a greenwashing regulation. So that's also coming up, right? Greenwashing regulations are going to make it harder for you to lie about or mislead people or just put empty words on your packaging about the materials and the end of life of the materials. Because once, we, once we're more clear that actually the recycling isn't happening, and like you can see all the controversy around TerraCycle here, mm-hmm. That's happening, right? I mean, you know, Tom and the team are, are are under the microscope right now because a lot of work has been done to track the claims, and unfortunately, they are they are addressing the collection part, but I'm not sure that they're solving the end of life part. And the end of life part is where there's a huge cost to society, to governments, to health, and to wildlife. And I think governments are getting a little bit tired of shouldering the waste cost. No doubt. Yeah, of course. Well, and when a government shoulders the waste cost, the government doesn't make anything, right? Like it's, you know, it's the people who shoulder the waste cost. Ultimately, like government exists on the back of of tax dollars. A hundred percent. A government is the people. Exactly. But I think people are finally saying, wait, why are we paying to move all this stuff around? Because companies have not created the right materials within the right waste infrastructure disposal options available. So yeah, absolutely. What are we doing to ourselves? And for me, let's reframe this as a family issue. Who wants to poison their kids? 
I don't. You don't. <laughs> Nobody does. We love our kids. Yeah. You we, we want the best for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I, everything you're saying, it just, it's, it's like connecting and I'm like, I, I could, we could keep, we could keep going. We, we can keep talking. I feel uh, like there's a lot of, uh, there's so much we'll, we'll have to talk again, but I really appreciate you taking the time to have me on here and to just like, give me a space to oh, chat. No, thank, and thank you. It's been, it's been my pleasure. Uh, so just do, do your quick plug or it doesn't have to be quick, but like, plug your plug your stuff right like how do people people are going to want to know more i can guarantee you that so how do they get more uh of you and in green queen and source green and all of it absolutely so um the best thing to do is to sign up for our newsletters at source green we have one of the best newsletters around for sustainable packaging news it's an amazing roundup that happens every two weeks um in at green queen we have a every two weeks Monday sustainability newsletter that keeps you up to date on general sustainability and climate change stuff. And then we have an all protein newsletter every Thursday. That's all about the future of food within the context of decarbonizing our food system. So those are probably the best ways. We also have an active green queen Instagram that might be useful and I'm very active on LinkedIn. So I would suggest following me there. Um, and basically we are here to help give people solutions and hope and inspiration to fight the biggest crisis of our time, you know, the climate crisis, which is also the food crisis and the plastic crisis. Yep, and and you know, if, if it's a food crisis, because you mentioned two things, right? And I'll 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 leave it here. You mentioned two things that unites people: breathing and eating. Well, so air and food become the two things that that impact every person. They it does not matter about your socioeconomic status, your your ethnicity, your, you know, your gender, your race, any of it, right? Like you got to breathe and you got to eat. So those are the two things that we should, we should probably be focused on. Um, Couldn't well, agree with you more. Uh, Thanks well, for making this circle. it all together. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I, I know, I know the listeners, I hope, I hope you were, you re-listen to this and you can start taking some notes because you dropped some, some incredible knowledge. Thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Adam. It's been such an honor. Hey, congrats. You made it to the end of the podcast. If you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry, please check out Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.